When it comes to self-development, no matter the method you use, the vital point is to practice. If you're ready to transform your life and claim the potential inside of you, you're in the right place. Welcome back to the Vital Point Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. As a transformation coach and breathwork facilitator, I'm invested in making the dynamic landscape of personal evolution accessible. My goal is to inspire you to take action for yourself. You have the capacity to evolve and bring your intentions and dreams into the world, and there's never been more access to so many incredible modalities that can help you on your journey. This podcast will help you learn simple methods you can use to transform your life and share the stories of practitioners who are doing the work so that you feel inspired to go and practice, because that's the vital point. A lot of today's episode is centered around one of those modalities that I've used myself to help transform my life, uh, neurodynamic breathwork. My guest on this episode is fellow facilitator Hans Weigold. Hans is also a certified neurodynamic breathwork facilitator. We both went through the same program, although during different cohorts. And he was somebody that started to show up at the alumni uh, call support calls that we have on a regular basis. And I really appreciated his message. I really liked what he was sharing. I could tell that he was coming from an authentic place, a place of, you know, a, a place that I could relate to as far as connecting with plant medicine and breath work and integrating both of these different methods into something that was working for him. And so this episode is really a dive into the benefits of breathwork and the benefits of integrating your plant medicine experience and using breathwork to assist with that. And we really go into a lot of really important topics as far as integration goes, you know, um, how we can use plant medicine and breathwork to overcome limiting beliefs and addiction and things that are holding us back. Um, you know, Hans shares some very personal stories, you know, about overcoming opiate addiction, about overcoming like a fear of speaking publicly, which I didn't know when we started to record the podcast. So it was very cool to like, oh, uh, in a way, this podcast is a part of that integration. But really taking us through his story, going from the first ayahuasca ceremony that he sat in to how that called him into breathwork and really starting to take breathwork seriously and make it a practice, not just another thing that he was using to escape or to, you know, I don't like how I'm feeling, so I'm going to do some breathwork, which let's face it, is much healthier than I don't like the way I'm feeling, so I'm going to take some opiates. But when we're using these methods as an escape rather as rather than something that is empowering and helping us transform and change, um, it still just really is not, you're not getting the full benefit from it, right? So in addition to that, just going through a lot of really important principles for integration, like being able to let go of expectations, being able to trust the process, being able to surrender, and this wonderful sort of uh, principle that we learn in the neurodynamic program, which is that what we resist persists. And, you know, 
integrating all of these principles so that we can actually get benefit from our breath work, from the inner work that we're doing, whether that's through plant medicines and psychedelics, breath work, a combination of the two, and really just the power of making these small adjustments when these limiting beliefs come up, when we come up against blocks and feeling stuck so that we can continue to move forward, continue to open and continue to become the best possible version of ourself. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to mention that since we are talking so much about neurodynamic breathwork, that is one of the things that I'm currently offering. Three times each month online, I'm offering breathwork for transformation, which is blending neurodynamic breathwork, somatic experience, and meditation into a harmonious whole that facilitates emotional release, fosters deep creative insights, and ushers in an unparalleled sense of relaxation. And whether you're a seasoned self-growth enthusiast or a newcomer yearning to step onto the path of self-care, these sessions will cater to your needs. Participants regularly testify about the transformative power of our offerings, citing improvements to their meditation practice, enhanced integration of plant medicine experiences, and greater understanding of their subconscious minds. These sessions are made to be economically accessible so that you can make profound personal transformation within your own life and integrate that into your practice. The sessions are $30 a piece, or you can do a monthly subscription of $45, which includes admission to all three of the deep dive sessions, as well as a weekly integrative breathwork sessions. So the regular sessions are on the second and fourth Sunday morning of each month on Zoom. Plus there's an exclusive full moon session for subscribers, as well as those weekly uh, breathwork integration sessions that are a combination of breathing and meditation, as well as a deeper uh, sharing time for integration. Within the deep dive sessions, those are between 70 and 90 minutes of breathing with an integration sharing circle and some meditation as well. So if you're interested in checking out more about that, you can reach out to me on my Instagram or go to bluemagicalchemy.com to sign up. And I'd love to see you. Our community of subscribers is growing. It's great to see as a facilitator people embracing the idea of breathwork as a practice. And that's something that, you know, Hans and I discuss on this episode is really that the main benefit of breathwork is in this practice, right? We can always have these experiences, but experiences on their own fade. And it's when we're able to create a practice and have integration along with that practice that we start to really see some of the benefits of this work. So I hope that I see you soon at one of our Breathwork for Transformation uh, Breathwork sessions. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vital Point Podcast. You know, how how did you find the neurodynamic training and like what was your experience like? Because for me, it was quite intense. Yeah, I think, I think what originally brought me to neurodynamic breathwork was my first ayahuasca experience in Peru, which really shifted the way I see reality. And it sent me on a long journey of exploring my own consciousness with another trip to Peru and meditation. And finally led me to breathwork. Mm. 
And there was some resistance at first when I first found out about the neurodynamic breathwork training. I had my first breathwork experience was extremely transformative. It had the depth of and intensity of almost like 5-MAO DMT and really sold me to breathwork. Yet it took me another two years before I started doing breathwork again. And when I signed up for breathwork, there was some resistance. But as soon as soon as I was accepted in the program, I knew it was the right decision for me. And it really, over the course of six months, completely shifted how I looked at myself, about my abilities, and showed me all my weaknesses and strengths. Yeah. Tell me more about that resistance. I'm curious about that. The first resistance was, well, the training is on Saturdays and I want to spend my weekends with my family. That, that was the biggest resistance that came up and why I didn't sign up for the first class that was offered to me. But however, it seemed like whenever I resisted, something brought, brought breathwork back into my life. Actually, first it started with doing reg breathwork regularly. It was in the evenings and I said, no, when the kids come home from school, I want to I want to spend the time with the children. So I didn't do it, although I kept saying I want to do breath work once a week. I didn't. But anytime I made the decision, someone mentioned breath work to me. Somehow breath work came up in an ayahuasca ceremony. I got another invitation. And eventually I said, I, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to sign up for the class. I saw all the questions that we had to answer. I said, okay. By the time I answer these questions, I will not even be accepted in the class. And I made that decision. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill out the questionnaire. If I'm accepted, great. I'm going to give 100%. And if I'm not accepted, that's fine with me. And, well, I got accepted and I gave 100%. And I don't regret any of the time. I lost with my children on a weekend because I believe I became a better father and a better husband to my wife through the whole process. Mm. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I heard with what you just shared is like uh, one of the principles that they talk about in the training program of like what, what we resist persists. Um, and, you know, it's funny, usually we kind of use that in the context of things that we're trying to uh, work through or like kind of that we feel blocked with. But in this case, it seems like it was something that was calling to you. And even when you tried to uh, kind of ignore the call, it just kept coming back into the picture. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like the call get louder and louder. I even remember I was right. working one-on-one -on -one with psychedelics, with a therapist. And after the session, she said, I'm stuck with you. I don't know where to go. Maybe you should consider breathwork. And the next day I got an email, join our six months breathwork facilitator training. And so to me, that was a, that was the turning point when I said, okay, I need to look into this deeper. And I had done breathwork with myself 
before and had great experiences and yeah they were so life transforming that i wanted to learn it and share this gift yet the resistance was still there yeah i can i can relate to your story uh you know as far as the i think one of the things that attracted me to breathwork initially was the similarity to the psychedelic experience um, the similarities that i found to it um and you know kind of finding out about breathwork sort of through uh psychedelic work um having it be like hey this is a good way to integrate your uh you know the the medicine work that that you're doing um and then also just sort of this uh suddenly finding neurodynamic breath work um my partner and i did one session with michael and it was really transformative it was it was actually really challenging for me to pay attention and just like give in to sort of the breathwork experience because everything that was happening I felt like was what I had been trying to figure out like how how to I, I had been trying to figure out for a while how to start my own breathwork business and uh, you know how to get the things that I was doing for myself as an individual and be able to scale that for other people and sitting in that container that first time it was like literally like somebody had taken this picture out of my head and i was then looking at it and experiencing it in the third person instead of the first person so it was just kept like it was like these fireworks going off in my head of like oh this is what you've been trying to do oh this is that oh this is so great and then you know we we reached out to to michael after the train or after the um the session and he said Oh, we're just starting our first uh, facilitator training program in about a month, and so I was like, "Okay, yeah, this is this is what I'm supposed to to do." <laughs> so it's amazing how sometimes those moments of sort of serendipity uh, kind of come up, come up. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful practice, and it's kind of very interesting how how it how the breath can guide us through our life and show us mm -hmm. what we need to do or should be doing so so how about before you found uh breath work like how did you get started in terms of doing transformational work and helping other people through their own journeys and and transformation um can you share a little bit more about that sort of backstory for yourself? Yeah, I think what started it was I was going through an eight-year prescription, eight-year prescription painkiller, opiate painkiller addiction, and I was trying really hard to break that vicious cycle. I had tried working with a counselor for maybe three quarters of a year, which really improved my life and my relationship, but somehow could not break the cycle. I would always get back to opiates till I went to Peru and 
by coincidence, joined a ayahuasca ceremony. I didn't even go aware of the attention. I didn't know anything about healing properties of plant medicine. I knew of psychedelics and mushrooms from my high school years, but I didn't know anything about healing, the healing mechanisms. And that first ayahuasca ceremony connected me with a love of life deep inside of me that I wasn't aware of. I just started experiencing this joy of life for life and was filled with so much beauty and love that that completely broke my cycle of addiction. And then I started reading about plant medicines. I started reading about consciousness and I found so much healing that I said, I want to, I want to give back to the world. I want to share with people who are struggling and suffering because what I found changed my life in so many ways, made so many aspects of my life better that I just felt obligated to continue this work because I see so many people are struggling and I suddenly understood why I was struggling and why it was so hard to break that cycle. Mm -hmm. What was that first ayahuasca ceremony like for you? I know for me, it was quite jarring. Uh, you know, I, I had, I would say a fair amount of psychedelic experience in a recreational setting and even without thinking about using psychedelics for like specifically with the intention of healing. Um, I always felt like the experience was moving in like very spiritual, very enlightening ways, but you know, ayahuasca to me was something completely on like a different level than that. So I'm curious what your first experience was like. Yeah. My first experience was really for me, extremely interesting. I, like I said, I only knew about psychedelics from high school years, 20 years before I came into the ayahuasca ceremony with certain expectations. I had no clue that it was done in a, dark room laying on your back. I thought we'd be running around in the jungle, just like we did psychedelics <laughs> in high school years. So that was a first surprise. Uh -huh. And and I had, even then, after we were laying down, I had this certain expectation of what's going to happen. And absolutely nothing happened. I drank the medicine and nothing happened. And people around me started puking, started going through whatever process they were going through. And for me, it was nothing. And then there was another serving, a second serving. So I drank that and nothing, absolutely nothing. A lot of anger came up, frustration. I was getting mad. I was saying, man, I wasted, it was $50. I wasted $50, which was a lot of money for me at the time. I wasted... I wasted my money. I wasted my time. I could be in the hotel room with my wife and my children. I'm totally upset. And then the third serving came and I drank that and nothing happened. 
And after a while, I said, I, I, I completely surrendered to the moment. I said, you know what? I'm not going to stay angry. I'm not going to stay mad. It's not worth my time. I'm just going to close my eyes. I was sitting there with my eyes open the whole, I don't know, three or four, five hours. I'm just going to close my eyes and fall asleep. So that moment when I made the decision to stop expecting and just go asleep, I got nauseous. I vomited. And then I was just filled with joy and love and beauty. My whole body started shaking. I had tears running out of my eyes. My, my face muscles started hurting. I don't think I've ever smiled that much in my life. And I just was filled with, with absolute love of life and love for myself. And at the same time, it, the feeling was like so familiar. It was almost like a deja vu, like all the sounds that I was hearing. Like, I know this, I've been here before. There was no insights, just just pure love and beauty from head to toe. And that that feeling lasted, that stayed with me for, for several weeks. I, I carry this joy and euphoria within me. And so th then you kept sitting with the medicine or it was just that one experience or what happened after that? It was, it was first that experience, but I started, I started reading about plant medicine because I suddenly was curious before that I was bored in life. I was completely bored in life. I had no passion, no direction. That was, I think, one reason why I was taking so many opiates, just to kill that boredom and that feeling inside of me, that feeling of emptiness. I was feeling, trying to fill that feeling of emptiness with substances. So I started reading. I got really curious. And I started donating money to MAPS because of the work they do. I said, man, Ayahuasca did so much for me. I want to support whoever supports psychedelics in the United States. And then I received a book from Stanislaw Graf as a thank you for the donation. And that's the first time I heard about breathwork. And I got really curious about it. I kept working with other psychedelics more intentionally. And two years later, I quit my job and went back to Peru for a two-week ayahuasca retreat. And what was that like? That was, yes, that was, that was wonderful. It was, at that point, I thought this is one of the most important decisions I've taken in my life. Uh -huh. Because again, I just experienced absolute bliss and beauty every, every single ceremony. The only pain ayahuasca ever took me through is getting stuck in my mind and not connecting with the medicine. So I usually was stuck in my mind for four or five hours trying to figure out what is preventing me from experiencing the medicine. And usually then there was one thought, like the first one, it was expectations. And any, every time when I suddenly realized what is preventing me from experiencing more love and beauty in my life, I had a huge purge and then I was just filled with the most undescribable beauty that 
that there is. So the expectation was kind of keeping you from being present to the experience. Right. Instead of, instead of allowing what is and being present and aware, I was just stuck in my mind. I want to feel this. I want to feel that. I want to, I want to resisting the moment. I was constantly in my life resisting the present moment. And as soon as I stopped resisting, I usually was filled with incredible amount of love. And I think that was made, that is what made my first breathwork session so powerful because I never talked to anyone about it. I had no ideas. I went in with no expectation and maybe even with the belief breathwork can't do this. I, can, I cannot experience on breathwork what some of the most, some of the strongest psychedelics can't do. I had that belief that that's not possible. And then it just completely blew my mind when after, I think I was breathing heavily for five minutes. And after five minutes, I was completely gone from this reality. There was just white light and bliss and beauty and explosion of love. And only when the music stopped, did I come back to this reality. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, if I can produce this feeling from the inside, just by breathing, I'm so much more capable than I ever believed. And that really made me question everything that I learned in life and believed to be true to that point. Hmm. So I think there's something really important there for you know, for the audience, uh, I don't know about you. It's, it's something that's come up with clients before in terms of, um, either, uh, I guess around expectations of like, Hey, why isn't this happening? I see other people having this like super, you know, looks like they're in some sort of deep trance or they're crying or, you know, whether that's tears of joy, or it looks like they're in some big cathartic release. Um, but also sometimes when people have like the, the first time they have a really uh, big sort of peak experience with breath work. And then the second or third time when they come back, it's not quite as intense. And sometimes there's like a disappointment of like, well, wait, but I want that thing that I already experienced. So what, what would you say to, to somebody in that situation or like, you know, especially with what you've learned? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I just a couple of weeks ago wrote a f post about that because my second experience was just as powerful and even the third one. And then I started my breathwork training. And from that point on, every single breathwork session for this whole six months during the training, I had the expectation that my breathwork session is going to be just as powerful, just as intense. And it never happened. And then I realized that I started substituting the, the opiates that I was using for many years, this was already five years after I was done with opiates, 
but I was starting to substitute breathwork for opiates. I was trying to escape reality. So I was thinking, oh, I'm not feeling good today. Let's do a breathwork session. I'm going to have this wonderful, great experience and feel different. And then it never happened because I had that expectations. Instead of being curious, instead of accepting what is and accepting the moment, I was trying to run away from reality. And that alone hold me back for six months till I finally figured that out. Like, okay, once I just accept whatever is and surrender to the moment, there's so much more to learn and experience and to feel than if I go in with the expectations to shift what I'm feeling right now. One of my recommend re recommendation I did in the post is one thing to avoid that is to do breathwork on a regular basis, doing it preferably the same day and time every week or month, however you do it, instead of doing it on a as needed basis saying, oh, today I don't feel good. Let's do breathwork and I'll feel better because then you have that same problem you're trying to escape but if you do it on a regular basis no matter how you feel i think that then that way you can gain and learn much more from it yeah that's something that i found in my own practice as well you know it's it's it's, it's interesting with, like starting to work with clients and you know market breathwork online it's like well it's great when people show up and they have a curiosity maybe they come once or twice I can understand that because I've been in that situation as well. But just like what you're saying, like to me, the real transformative potential of breath work is in having that regular practice. And it's so fulfilling to watch clients that I've been working with now for, you know, over a year and the journey that they're going through and seeing how their practice is unfolding and getting deeper and um, how they're learning to trust their own process and their own uh, inner guidance and surrender in and at the same time, you know, be willing to uh, just be open to whatever happens. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, well, that, that was pretty mellow, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, not every experience is like a peak experience. That's, that's I think, one of the lessons that we're getting shown here, right? And uh, instead of there being disappointment, just being like, okay, yeah, this is just part of the process. Yes, absolutely. I like what, uh, I like what Glenn, you know, Glenn, one of the, the teachers in the neurodynamic uh, training calls breathwork going to the surrender gym. And so, you know, just being willing to surrender to whatever is happening um, and still showing up, like you're saying, you know, having a regular practice, not using the method as an escape. Because let's face it, I mean, like breathwork is, is amazing and breathwork is transformational, but like, if you want to use it as an escape, there's a lot easier ways to, uh, to accomplish that. <laughs> you know, I always say to people like, well, they don't call it breath work for nothing, you know, like, 
<laughs> so yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of easier sort of medicines or ways that you could get to that altered state if all you're trying to do is escape, but that's not really the true benefit of the practice. Right. Breathwork can be fun and can be absolutely beautiful, but as the work says, it is the word, it is work. And then we need to be willing to do that work and not just chase the, yeah, the moment of euphoria or beauty or love. Yeah. Because that's only part of the story, right? I mean, I think it's, and it's something that I, I, for me, like inspired me to do more integration work, um, was my own experience of like, you know, similar to what you described of, you know, feeling that absolute love and, uh, unity and peace, especially after the ayahuasca experience and then watching it fade away and being like, well, wait, no, I want this all the time. You know, why, where is this going and why are my habits that I'm trying to get away from coming back? And, you know, like I, I felt like I was coming back down to earth and it was quite jarring the first time because I think a lot of people have this experience where they have that peak unity experience and they're like, it's almost like you're planting your flag. Like, yes, I made it. I've accomplished this. This is, we're done call it a day, you know, like I've got it. This is it. And then as that experience faded, it was like, well, wait, no, but I want to hold on to that. This is what I wanted. And, and then I started to look around and, and saw that there were other people going through that as well, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in integration groups or in the ceremony, you know, before we drank the medicine and, somebody saying, oh yeah, this is like my 10th time back here because I'm still working on overcoming this thing, you know, whether it was addiction or bad relationships or just, you know, certain behaviors and patterns. And it, it made me curious. It was like, well, wait, okay. So there is this potential and yet we're all kind of in this similar place where we're trying to hold on to this thing that seems to be like uh, dispersing or like disappearing in our hands. So how can I actually get that lasting impact from it? So I'm curious in your experience, like how, how has, how have you been able to, you know, integrate your experiences, whether they're with, you know, ayahuasca and other plant medicine um, and breath work so that it is something that you're, you know, it's a part of you rather than a experience that fades. Right. The first realization I had, and that again, it took me, took me a year of breath work and years working with ayahuasca every single time I did breath work or I had a ceremony, I had the expectation, okay, after this one, I'm fixed or I arrive at a certain point, I reach this level of awareness or consciousness. 
till I had this shift and realized breathwork is not to get me to a certain point, but in, it initiated a journey of constant self-improvement, right? I'm not going to do a breathwork session and then I'm done with it. I'm going to do a breathwork session. I learn from it. I grow and then I continue that work and there's no, no level that the journey is going to always continue and there's always another step to go and to learn. And then it's up to me to make small shifts in my life to integrate the experience. Journaling was a very big part. I, I learned journaling through breathwork, which I had never done before. And then I realized, yes, I need to, I'm not going to journal once and then I'll be done. I need to do it over and over and over again every day to continue, to continue digging deeper inside of me and finding what is holding me back. So what does that look like for you now? Is that when you sit down to journal, do you just have a blank page? Are you working with prompts or what does that look like for you? It depends. On some days, I just do a stream of consciousness. I just write down whatever comes to come out. On other days, I journal more with intentions, like I write down a certain experience, a breathwork or ayahuasca experience, or I start visualizing what I want to experience in life, where I want to be, and what is holding me back from achieving my goals. So yeah, just kind of a, a mixture of different uh, methods there. I, I I enjoy the sort of stream of consciousness, uh, which is similar to like the, are you familiar with the artist way? Yeah, yes, I am. So like three pages every day, just you have to fill the page, even if it's, I am writing in my journal right now because I don't have anything that I know what to write about. <laughs> And so, so what else, what, what other things, uh, do you do for integration that you found helpful? I, I meditate. I try to meditate every morning. Again, it's something that should be done on a regular basis and not on a as needed basis, but I find meditation extremely beneficial because so many thoughts, so many ideas come up shows me my my worries my fears my dreams my wishes all these all these little thoughts that are emerging all the time it helps me to stay present and aware in the moment and i think breathwork has i was meditating for years before i started breathwork but breathwork has really deepened my meditation practice Other ways to integrate is, is just making these small shifts in life, right? Making daily, daily adjustments to bring into my life what I learn in a breathwork experience. For example, expectations, letting go of expectations and just being open to, to what is and then accepting whatever happens in life. One, one of the basic principles of breathwork is like 
breathwork reflects life, whatever we, whatever I experience in breathwork is a magnified or amplified version of a certain aspect in my life. So when I start accepting whatever happens in a breathwork session, it really helps me to accept whatever's happening around me in my life because I learn in breathwork. I learn in an amplified way when I accept whatever it is, I can, I can be filled with so much beauty and gratitude. And then I learn, yeah, if I start doing that in life, eventually there suddenly is much more beauty around me. There's more things to be grateful for. Yeah, just, you know, tiny small adjustments now can make a huge impact in the future. Yeah, planting seeds. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, like ripples, ripples on a pond. Uh, when you throw the stone in the water, you know, it's almost like the ripples continue to move outward in these really interesting uh, ways. Right. Okay. So, and uh, so, you you know, you mentioned breathwork as a, as a practice. So what does that look like for you right now? Are you, do you practice once a week or what does that look like? I, I do practice once a week. Once a week seems for me personally a good good time. During the facilitator class, I did two times a week, some weeks even three times, wow. but it is too much. I mean, sometimes it had some <laughs> benefits, but especially during the, because of the intensity and the time it requires. But for me, once a week is a good good practice. Yeah, my hat's off to you. I mean, I, I practice about once a month. And uh, during the training program, it was once a week, sometimes twice. And it is a lot, you know, I, it was one of the things that I, <laughs> I didn't realize it until after I had already signed up for the training. Um, but it was before the training actually started. Or maybe it was like the, you know, we had had our first meeting and I remember, I remember I was out walking and it kind of dawned on me that here was this <clears throat> breath work that was very psychedelic, you know, it was like, th this is as intense as a psychedelic experience and the recommendation is that I'm doing it once a week and for the next six months. <laughs> and it, I kind of paused and was like, well, wait, if somebody came to me and said, Hey, do you want to do a psychedelic journey uh, once a week for the next six months? I don't know if I would sign up for that. Uh, but I was already there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of realized, Oh, this is, this is what I got myself into. And now I really have to put some intention and some energy into the integration part of it. Uh, because otherwise I'm not sure if I'm going to be getting the maximum, you know, uh, benefit from, from what I'm doing that I, that I can be. 
yeah, I think yeah. that was the biggest problem with doing breathwork two or three times a week during that class. If, if you don't fully integrate the experience, or at least partially, it makes little sense to go into a next breathwork session and do it again and again and again without learning from the experience. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, even now it's, it's good to go through seasons or, you know, kind of uh, when, when I say seasons, like, you know, just sort of like, uh, you know, I have gone through seasons where there is a, a lot of breath work and a lot of psychedelics and then, you know, seasons where it's just more about the integration. It's like, okay, like, uh, almost like I've accumulated a lot of homework you know, I have a lot of studying to do and rather than start, jump into a new class, like let's, let's, let's do the reading. Let's like, let's do the assignment. Um, and I trust that the next class is out there w waiting for me, you know, but like, if I don't, if I don't, uh, if I don't practice some sort of integration, if I don't take the time to really say, what what does that mean and how can i make this a part of my life rather than a part of the breathwork or ceremony experience then the lesson just keeps repeating and i really can't move on to the next class cuz whatever i'm working on will just continue to come up in these different these different ways right yeah it's going to come up till you integrate the lesson and already for the next one. And I, I, I take these, for me, it's seasonal too. Right now I do it once a month. For example, in June, I'll be traveling with my family for two months. And I assume I'm going to be doing very little breath work in that time, because that is the time for my family. And that can be, a, that is an extended period of integration for me. And I'm sure there will be one or two breathwork sessions when I find the time, but not anywhere as regular as in the moment. I was curious as well um, about something you've been posting about um, as far as limiting beliefs and how breathwork can help with that. Because I find, at least in my experience, and it, it seems clients as well, um, the, it's not so much that we're looking for an answer that we don't understand. The answers are right there, right? Mm -hmm. We know that we should stop drinking or using opiates or, you know, exercise more, you know, like the, it's not like. Oh, all of a sudden this light bulb goes off of like, oh, now I understand. I, sh I shouldn't be eating a you know three cheeseburgers every day if I want to lose weight. Um, the the trick is the actual applying it. You know, I I've heard so many times like, well, I know what to do, but when I sit down to like actually make the change, I find myself going back to the same familiar behavior. So I was wondering if you could kind of speak about that in your own experience and like, how would you help somebody that was coming to you with kind of that? Uh, 
that story. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, my first, first breathwork session was so intense that it challenged everything that I believe to be true. Because I said, if I can't produce that experience, there's a lot of things in this life that I can do that I didn't believe to be true in the past. And it's just, you know, beliefs are mostly what we take with absolute certainty to be true. For example, a very simple example, as long as you have a belief, I can't do that, you won't be able to do it because you don't even try. And for me, for 20 years, I had this belief, I cannot talk in public. I cannot talk in front of people. I cannot talk in front of the camera. When I signed up for breathwork, for the breathwork training, I made the commitment to talk in front of camera once a week, to record videos about my experience, and eventually to talk in front of groups of people about breathwork. And then I learned that, yes, like I said, as long as I believe it to be true, I won't be able to do it because I'm not doing it. But then if I shift that belief and says, I will do it instead, my brain's going to find a way to help me achieve my goal. It's not going to happen from one day to the other. But again, it happens in small steps. Mm. And there were a lot of, lot of things that I just believed to be true. And I realized they are they are not like going to, to again, like you you talked about workout, why people, they say, I need to work out, but they don't because we believe, oh, I don't have the time or it's too much work, but we can do small shifts and adjustments and then maybe not believe every, anything, everything that our mind tells us. We can challenge our mind, right? There's a lot of things that my mind tells me all day long. And if I challenge those beliefs, I can slowly shift them. It reminds me of a quote I read from Vincent Van Gogh. I was at the Vincent Van Gogh exhibition a month ago. And he said, if you hear a voice in your head saying, I can't draw, he said, by any means, go ahead, or I can paint. By any means, go ahead and paint, and that voice will be silenced. Yeah. And that's such, a, that's such an interesting example, right? Because uh, like Van Gogh did hear voices. <laughs> right. You know, uh... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so, you know, I can I think it speaks to, um, how we're interpreting our experience and what we're taking as sort of true, uh, versus like what we're curious about, you know, one person, uh, what's, what's the saying? Like, um, the, the mystic swims in the same waters as the you know, the schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's the same sort of ground uh, or the same water, I guess, in this case, but it's what we're doing with it. 
you know, one person might hear a voice in their head and say, I need to go talk to a doctor because uh, I need help. Another one's like, oh, I'm going to maybe be curious about what this voice is saying and turn it into this beautiful artistic gift uh, to the world, you know, that's still celebrated to this day. Food for thought. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very interesting thought. I like that. Uh, or another example is through, throughout the time of my opiate addiction, I was going through a lot of depression and anxiety. And even after I was, I was, I was done with that chapter in my life, there was still a lot of depression left inside of me. And I kept hearing myself on certain days. I'm so depressed today. I don't feel like doing anything. I can't do this today. I can't, I can't get, get up and go to the gym because I'm too depressed. And then at some point I just said, no, <laughs> I'm done with that. I'm not depressed any longer. It is just a belief I'm holding on to. And as long as I keep telling myself every day that I'm depressed, I'm getting more and more depressed. And then it takes some strength and it takes persistence and repetition. But whenever that I hear that voice pop up, you're depressed, you can't do this. I said, not, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not depressed. And then doing exactly what I'm resisting. Instead of saying, I'm depressed, I'm not going to the gym. I said, ah, let's go to the gym anyway and push through. And immediately I feel better. But if I listen to that voice, if I believe that voice, that belief turns into my reality. Basically, whatever I believe, whatever I hold on to and keep saying my, to myself over and over again, turns into my reality. Yeah, like um, changing the relationship with those inner dialogues. Uh, it's almost like, um, at least this is, this is how I've experienced it, is like when I hear that voice, it's almost a call to action to do the exact opposite. to like, to prove it wrong, you know, and then it just becomes, how can I be more gentle with myself? How can I not think about things uh, in such a grandiose, um, sort of frame? Cause like the voice is like, well, I, I can't do this at all. And it's like, okay, well maybe tomorrow I can't do it. But what if I do it today? You know, what if I just take the first step rather than worrying about tomorrow or next month or next year? But just the fact that that message is there mm -hmm. is like a wake up call of like, oh, actually, no, this is calling me to do this in this moment. And can I prove it wrong? You know, and then it's, it becomes sort of a, I've learned, oh, this, this, yeah, I've, I've proven it wrong. I've learned that I don't have to believe whatever this voice is, is saying. And I can actually be gentle with it. I can, you know, kind of have a dialogue and say, well, like, why don't you think that? Where, where is this belief coming from that I can't do that? And for me, like, that is a really interesting exploration that takes me back to sort of the root of, you know, some of, some of these beliefs or some of these voices where there's some sort of unprocessed 
you know, pain or injury or trauma. And then I can actually go in and, and work with it and heal it and transform it, give it a different job, you know, instead of saying like, Hey, you can't do this. Maybe you can remind me every day that, I, okay, it's time to go to the gym. In my experience and my work with like IFS, internal family systems, we can't make that transformation until we actually are willing to like be curious about what, what is this, where is, where is the belief coming from? Like, what was the, the root cause of it? And you know, the, when did this start? And once we kind of understand that, then that's where the transformation starts to shift. So a different, I guess, I guess we started the conversation with what we uh, resist persists. Uh, so it's a different way of saying, I'm going to stop resisting this. I'm going to reframe and transform the resistance and just surrender to, you know, what I'm being called to do and kind of transform the resistance into something that works for me now in the, in the present. For me, one of one of the major things I was resisting, as I mentioned earlier, is talking in front of people and talking in public and even talking to strangers was sometimes a struggle for me because I was holding on to this belief that I cannot do it. And then during the breathwork class, when we did the in our child work and the parental work, suddenly this memory came up when I was a young boy my mom when i was i was the youngest of four and quite often when i was excited and talking loud and wanted to share something she would tell me translated into english talking is silver silence is gold and then for the next 30 years i was telling myself no one wants to listen no one wants to hear what i have to say and it's my mom's fault. <laughs> if my mom hadn't told me this, I'd be con confidently talking. But because she kept telling me that, now I can't do it. Then instead of taking full responsibility over learning to do it, I was blaming her. It's her fault. It's not my responsibility. I can't do it and I don't need to do anything about it. But... This resistance created so much pain for me, so much anxiety, because obviously you cannot avoid it in your life. In most work environments, you have team meetings, group meetings, management meetings. Throughout college, there were presentations. If you need to organize anything to be done, you need to talk to strangers and this resistance of addressing the problem created so much anxiety and fear in my life and made me miserable. And through breathwork, I made that decision to push through that resistance and do it anyway. The, sh the short-term discomfort is so much worth the long-term benefits in the past, I avoided talking in front of Greek people for my short-term comfort, but that caused long-term pain. 
because reoccurring fear, reoccurring worries. And, that, and that, that's what really breathwork can teach you whenever you resist and you push through that resistance and breathwork, at least that's how it works for me. I suddenly feel so much, I suddenly feel free and yeah, I get rewarded with, with lasting, lasting beauty and love. Well, I'm happy that you are pushing through that resistance and um, changing that narrative within yourself because, you know, like, I think that's one of the reasons that I was interested in chatting with you and having you on the podcast is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people using social media, uh, in our space as far as, you know, breath work and psychedelic integration and coaching. Um, and they follow a lot of trends um, or, you know, it's like, there's, there's something where I look at it and it doesn't, there's something that smells funny, like something, you know, it's like, okay, something here doesn't add up. And, um, uh, one of the things that I appreciate about your content is that it feels authentic. Um, it really feels like you are expressing yourself, um, which is, I know for myself is challenging because it's the long way around. It's much easier to follow the trends. It's much easier to chase what you think is popular or what people want to hear instead of saying, this is my voice and this is my truth and I'm going to express it. And I'm going to trust that the people that need to hear this or that are interested it's going to find them and it's going to resonate with them. And that, you know, that, that I can build my own audience and my own tribe, you know, um, rather than like, Oh my God, I want a million followers and you know, the, whatever you need to do to kind of make that happen. So I appreciate that, you know, that you're challenging that belief, uh, within yourself and continuing to put yourself out there and, you know, be Hans, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's what, you know, there's only one Hans, right. And, um, embracing that and being willing to be with that in the midst of that discomfort is to me is a, is a beautiful thing and is an example of what we're talking about here as far as being able to actually take these nuggets from the transcendental experiences of expanded consciousness and bring them back into the rest of our reality. So I appreciate that about, you know, I appreciate you sharing that and I appreciate that about you, my brother. Thank you very much. A big part of that was my first coach who I worked with after my breathwork facilitator class. He gave me the task to post on Facebook two to three times a week. And he said, one post is to know, trust and trust you. So you need to show the world authentically who you are. And the second post was about breathwork. And through this work, I realized I had this insight 
that doing my whole work life while I was trying to quit my job, while I was starting to abuse opiates, I was hiding. I was hiding from the world. I put up this wall and because I was afraid to show the world who I am, I didn't want to show the world who I am. I was, I felt shame, guilt, and fear of showing who I am and posting that really, really suddenly I thought I, I, I had this realization. I can never know who I am as long as I'm not showing the world who I am, as long as I'm fading, hiding behind a mask or a wall or this, this fake identity that I put up. And that requires pushing through resistance. There was always the resistance of judgment. Oh, what do people think if I, if I write this? What, what are they gonna, their comments going to be? Do I have to defend myself? And suddenly letting go of that fear of judgment and pushing through all of resistance to write really opened me up and helped me understand myself better and understand why I'm doing certain things, why I'm not doing certain things. And that's been, that's been really transformative. And then the more I do it, it's like, it's like letting the energy flow. As soon as I started, every time I write, it seems like the cre creativity is growing and I get a deeper connection to who I truly am and what I'm here to do. Yeah, the journey, you know, becomes the journey. Right. The journey is the destination. You know, you don't you, you don't have to necessarily be so fixated on a destination that you might have at the beginning. That idea changes and is constantly evolving, but it the the journey and what you're learning along the way and the experiences that you're having are even more important. Absolutely. Like, like I said, the breathwork is not to get me to a certain point, but to initiate a journey of constant self-improvement. Before breathwork, the, the question is, who are you when no one's watching? And before breathwork, especially when I was working in a family business and heavily using opiates, I was two completely different personality pers persons. The person, my friends and my wife saw and the person who people at work saw now pretty much what you see is what you get my wife sees pretty much the same that people see here on on the screen that people in the supermarket see or in the school of my children i'm not hiding who i am i'm openly talking about my past because i let go of that guilt regret and shame and I also want to inspire others by showing them who I was and who I became through the process. We'll keep doing that. I mean, it's it's obviously working out for you. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to continue to see that evolution and the, the journey that you're on. Sort of to to summarize, uh, and it might, might be something we already talked about, but... Um, 
you know, the we talk about the vital point on the show. My my vital point usually being that we have to actually practice, right? Uh, it's not enough for somebody listening to just hear us talking about breath work and expect that their life is going to change. They actually have to do the breath work themselves and then go through their own integration. Um, and that, you know, applies to any practice. Uh, what would you say you feel is your vital point, something that's important to share with people that you're working with? Yeah, the, the most important part of breathwork and work with plant medicine is the work that starts after the experience. There's always three parts as preparation, the experience and integration. But without the integration, all what remains from breathwork or psychedelics is just a great experience. So I guess the vital point would be to bring whatever you learn in breathwork into your daily lives, make small adjustments, and then live your truth and make, make small adjustments, take actions towards becoming a better version of who you were the day before and yeah inter integrate integrate everything you learn into your life awesome well if people want to connect with you um how can they do that i have a web page pneumorphosis.com then i post heavily on Facebook. And I also have a new morphosis breathwork page on Facebook. And you're doing um, online breathwork or just in person sessions? I do both. I do online about twice a month. I host an online breathwork session. I do some online one on one work for people who are on a different time schedule or some people prefer to be alone and have a little more intimacy and privacy. And then I do local mm -hmm. breathwork session, both in person and one-on-one. -on -one. Well, Hans, thank you so much for being on the vital point and, you know, sharing your wisdom and experience. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure and um, really appreciate your sharing so openly especially in the light of, you know, some of the things that you shared about uh, the challenges of overcoming that internal narrative. So it kind of gives the, to me, it gives the conversation a different dimension and uh, almost feels a little bit more special. Yeah, thank you much. I really appreciate you and the opportunity and inviting me to join. Yeah. And, you know, for those in the audience, um, you know, just this is a great example of, you know, something that I think we talk about a lot on this show, which is um, recently <laughs> been expressed through this wonderful saying, uh, you know, my, my meditation teacher uh, said it, and it's been kind of stuck in my mind ever since that, um, words don't cook rice. You know, you, it's not enough to just look at the page 
or read something in a book and not do anything about it, listen to the podcast and then go back to whatever you were doing before. The reason that we're here having these conversations is to hopefully inspire you to be curious about doing something new, you know, trying some breath work or getting curious about um, the transformative uh, potential of psychedelics. Um, but whatever it is that you're curious about, go and do it, you know, go and try it out and then see what comes out of it. Like, you know, take some time afterwards of really examining the experience, you know, like Hans was saying with, with journaling, you know, contemplating, reflecting, and then what is it that, that you can bring into your life from that experience? So I hope that this conversation and the other conversations on the podcast inspire you to go practice because that is the vital point. I hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If it struck a chord with you, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could take a moment to leave a review. It's a simple, cost-free way to show support and help more like-minded people discover the show. Also, make sure you sign up for my newsletter at bluemagicalchemy.com to be the first to get updates, exclusive content, and insights delivered straight to your inbox. It's a fantastic way to stay connected and keep the learning journey going. When you sign up, I'll send you a free guide to using Breathwork for Integration as a way to show my gratitude for your support. Remember, it's not about the method you choose or the pace at which you travel. The vital point is to consistently show up for yourself and practice. As the saying goes, it's not the destination, but the journey that truly matters. And I'm honored to accompany you on yours. Please don't hesitate to reach out, connect, share your journey, the successes and challenges alike. I'm just an email, DM, or review away. Thank you again for tuning in. Until the next episode, keep exploring, keep growing, and above all, keep practicing, because that's the vital point.